Entering Social. My name is Courtney Sandora, and throughout this podcast series, you'll be hearing from myself and the Go Social team. Go Social is a PR and social media marketing firm with offices in Denver, Colorado, and Louisville, Kentucky. We'll be discussing social media trends and influencer best practices in the food and beverage landscape. If you have any questions and want to reach out, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the Go Social, or you can visit our website at goforthbesocial.com. Today we are here with Heather Wibbles uh, at cocktail underscore Contessa, and we are really excited to get to hear how she started her fantastic cocktail account with such beautiful imagery um, and just learn some, some great cocktail tips as well as some social tips. So thanks for joining us, Heather. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for asking me to join you all today, Courtney. So... I read on your account, and I thought this was really interesting, that bourbon is your comfort food. Um, you put that in your captions. How did you first get into whiskey? Um, I lived in, I grew up in the Louisville, Kentucky area, and I lived in Nashville for about 17 years. And when we moved back here, I decided since bourbon was such a big part of um, Kentucky's economy in the area that I should really learn more about it. And so for my 40th birthday, we did, we rented a limo and we got to go around to all these different uh, distilleries and I fell in love with it. And my best friend and I started going to all these distilleries. And shortly thereafter, we discovered Bourbon Women. And um, from, you know, joining Bourbon Women in, I think that was 2000 and 12 or 13. Um, it just sort of snowballed from there. I started trying different bourbons and buying different bourbons. And then a couple of years later, I got into bourbon cocktails because I wanted to entice my friends and family to drink bourbon with me because they all thought that having 30 bottles of bourbon was just outrageous. <laughs> and I was like, but the people that I'm talking to have far more than that. And, and really, it's not outrageous. They're all different. So that's how I started doing cocktails. And I started doing them. I started entering the bourbon women um, each year. They have a not your pink drink cocktail contest. And I won it three years in a row. And they said, hey, maybe you could judge instead of actually entering. <laughs> So I started to work with the board some, and now I'm actually um, chair of the board of Bourbon Women. So I work with that organization as well as, you know, in the last two years with um, everything being shut down with the pandemic, I've really had to pivot into doing a lot of work with brands and doing work, you know, online and virtual classes and things like that. Very cool. Well, that leads perfectly into my next question was, you know, could you just give us like a brief synopsis of what Bourbon Women is? Oh, sure. Bourbon Women is, it's my absolute favorite group in the world. Um, I'm personally a super fan. Um, it's a group of women who are dedicated to all the fun and adventure that women have when they learn about bourbon and when they share bourbon adventures. So we really get women together. We learn about different bourbon brands. We learn about different bourbon uh, historical events. Um, and we share bourbon and co bourbon cocktails with one another. And honestly, we do 
um, a lot of whiskey as well, because all of us who start with bourbon uh, end up drinking a lot of rye whiskey. And then sometimes we kind of go off into scotch and bourbon might be our first love, but um, we, we kind of all love whiskey in general. But Bourbon Women is just, it's a fun group of women and they curate these amazing events, either online or in person, um, not only here in Louisville, but we have branches across the country so we have branches I think we have 12 I think we're up to 12 branches now so we have like DC and Chicago and Atlanta and uh, North Carolina Missouri uh, we have a California branch a Colorado branch um, I know I'm forgetting some but it's it's really this just movement of women who are saying hey women really love bourbon they need to be included in the conversation Let's figure out how to get all of us together in a way that we can learn about bourbon and also learn about enough, learn about it enough that we can teach others about bourbon. That's great. I'll definitely check out the Colorado one. Yes. Um, y'all had a chapter here. Um, so I also noticed that you were a executive bourbon steward. Is that correct? Yeah, so um, the bourbon, there's a, there's a Stave and Thief Society that has been put together by Moonshine University. Have you heard of Moonshine University in Louisville? Yes, yes, I've been there. Okay, so Moonshine University started a certified bourbon steward program. And you that's something where you can, um, you can um, register online, you can get your book and study online, and then you take your course online and you pass and you become a member of Stave and Thief, which is the society that's associated with this kind of education. And the whole idea behind the bourbon steward is you are able to educate others about bourbon in a way that, um, that is very welcoming to newcomers to bourbon. So it's a way to make sure that those, the people who are talking about bourbon and who are educating friends and family and colleagues into bourbon, not only really know about bourbon, but they know about how about bourbon hospitality because bourbon is really all about sharing an experience with another person. Bourbon is always more fun with more people, right? Bourbon's always more fun with a friend. So um, the executive bourbon steward program came about because they were originally um, identifying people who worked at establishments and they were going to train their staff. So like someone who might open up a whiskey themed bar um, would become an executive bourbon steward and they would teach their staff. But what they found out was there were enough super fans like me or the bourbon women uh, who, who get into this and, and kind of go nuts with it, that they really wanted more education than they could get just from an online course. So the executive bourbon steward course, you go in person to Moonshine University and they walk you through the process. They have a, a small distillery section um, in the back of the uh, classroom. And they have, you know, they show you, they have a mill. So they show you how the grains are milled and they show you how everything is fermented and how everything is cooked and then fermented. And then, you know, what it looks like at different phases during the fermentation process. And then they show you the still and they run things through the still. And it's not as in-depth as their distillers course that they give for people who are going to be doing distillation. But it's so much information that you just can't get from an online course. And, you know, you get to smell different whiskeys and you get to smell uh, distillate that's just corn and just wheat and just rye. So you can see how those individual distillates um, basically build into the product that becomes bourbon. 
Was there anything that really surprised you or was a big aha when you took the course? Um, I, I really, because I'm in Kentucky, I am blessed with being within driving distance of so many fabulous distilleries and being a part of bourbon women and you know loving bourbon as much as i do i visit distilleries all the time in fact i'm one of those people where when you go on vacation i'm constantly typing in distilleries near me because i know there's distilleries and i always like to see what kind of stills they have and what kind of products they're making so i have had a lot of education just from going on i don't even probably over 50 well over 50 at this point uh, distillery tours and um so nothing was really a surprise to me, but the ability to really um, taste and see and interact with the fermentation process, like as we got, you know, as the cook was done, before the cook was done, after the cook was done, you know, during the fermentation process. And then also the one thing of the executive bourbon steward, which consistently blows my mind, is they have a sensory training kit that you get as part of it. And it contains, I think, 35 or 40 small vials that are different scents that you can um, nose in bourbon. And some of them are things like the heads and the tails and different types of alcohol, but a lot of them are things like tobacco and caramel and, you know, wheat and grass and smoke. Um, so it's, it's something that really helps you hone your uh, sensory experience of bourbon because you can really train yourself on those aromas and flavors and all the things that you get when you nose a really great glass of whiskey. That's great. I, I feel like I'm so often easily persuaded when people start talking about tasting notes. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I smell that. Um, but I don't have that confidence in my own ability to pick those out. Sometimes. And, you know, a lot of that is just practice, honestly. And before I took the executive bourbon steward class, I actually made my own sensory training kit at home. I just went over to my spice rack and I got out cinnamon sticks and raisin and dried fruit. And I made, you know, took small little plastic containers and filled them with these different essences. And I could, you can get a lot of these experiences from just nosing through your pantry or your spice rack, really. That's a great idea. Yeah. So how did you get into mixology? I, you know, what, the first year that I entered Bourbon Women's Not Your Pink Drink contest, I won, and I was completely shocked. And it it's such a it was such a super simple recipe, but it was so good. It was just two ounces of bourbon, an ounce of rivulet pecan liqueur, and chocolate bitters. That's it. But it, it's so good, and it's so easy, and it's just um, it was a fun experience for me to know that something that I tasted and that I loved this group of women who have these amazing palettes were like, yes, that is the cocktail that we love for this year. And that sort of inspired me to keep creating more cocktails. And at the same time, I was trying to refine my palette, not only with bourbon, but also in terms of other flavors to pair with different flavors, you know, in a cocktail. And so that really, that really pushed me to start learning, not just about bourbon cocktails, but about flavor in general, how things combine, you know, a little bit of the science of mixology. And honestly, most of what I've done has been figuring this stuff out on my own, you know, taking classes either, um, if there are classes near me that I can take, um, and just seeing different demonstrations and trying different cocktails, different places. I mean, to me, 
to me, mixology is the communication of a sensory experience to another person. It's sharing something that's fun, right? Because it's alcohol and it's drinking. And even if it's a mocktail, it's fun because it's a, a combination of flavors that either remind you of something that you have already have an idea about or gives you a new experience. And giving someone else that experience to me is very exciting and very gratifying. So that's sort of how I, I grew into working with mixology. And when the pandemic sort of happened and I my other you know day job got pushed to the side for quite a while, I had to sort of pivot and find something to fill my time because I'm not really good with a lot of dead time. So I started doing a lot more cocktail creation, a lot more cocktail photography. I started reaching out and working with brands and moving into, you know, moving from just creating cocktails for me and my family and my friends to really pushing the boundaries of what I could do. Do you have certain places that you get cocktail inspiration? Honestly, I do a lot of that through Instagram. I love to look through Instagram accounts and see what interesting things other people are doing. My particular account sort of has two, two different types of followers. I have a lot of people who are mixology enthusiasts like I am, who want to do really strange and interesting things with flavors. And then there are some people who follow me who just want a, a cocktail that tastes good that they can make at home. Right. So they don't want to want to spend four days making it an infusion and then a tincture and then three different kinds of juices. They want something that they actually can look at and think, hey, that looks interesting. And also, hey, I could make that at home. So for me, you know, I kind of dance between those two things. I dance between looking at these really interesting flavor combinations that other people come up with that make me think, well, you know, for example, um, I love coffee and pineapple together. I don't know what it is about the combination, sure. but it's absolutely fabulous. And so I was thinking, well, coffee kind of goes with um, uh, pineapple and pineapple goes with banana. So what about coffee and banana? Well, it's fabulous together. You know, it kind of tastes like a, almost like a banana's foster kind of dessert um, when you put the two together. So. Things like that, I like to do flavor mapping where I start with a bunch of ingredients that I know go together and then think about other ingredients that may go with some of those individual elements and just see when I think about them, if they would be, um, if they would be good matches, if they would work well together. And one of the things that I do when I teach people about mixology and when I'm especially bourbon people and whiskey people is if I don't know if two things will go together, I smell them together. If I smell them together and they, and they balance and they smell good together and there's not any discord, then they're most likely going to taste really good together because, you know, flavor is probably 70, 80% smell. If you hold your nose, you can't really taste anything. And so a lot of what I'm doing is matching up aromas and that fits so well with bourbon and whiskey drinkers. I just think it's a natural kind of a natural segue from being a bourbon drinker to getting into cocktails. That's really interesting. So are, were you, a, uh, are you a big cook too? You know, I'm not, um, I don't really love cooking and I think it's because it takes so much time. I'm not exactly sure why I think making a batch of cookies takes a ton of time, but I have no problem making, you know, a simple syrup that I have to reduce for 45 minutes on the stove. <laughs> I don't know what it is. 
that that is different about the two but cocktails to me any kind of beverage really is much more compelling than food but i do get a lot of inspiration from food i think about great desserts or great meals that i've had or flavor pairings that have really stuck with me and that is one of the ways that i get inspiration as well you know from my own experience you know out at great restaurants and having great meals so not to, not to play favorites, but if you were going to recommend someone visiting Louisville to go get a great whiskey cocktail, what are some of your favorite cocktail places? I personally love Proof on Main, um, which is a fabulous, fabulous place. The cocktails also, um, Nictor's Distillery has a downtown location called the Bar at Fort Nelson. And their cocktail menu is fabulous. Anything that I've ever had at Mictors is always, always, always really good. Um, you know, honestly, I make so many drinks at home. I'm very picky about where I go to. And um, I'm very picky about the cocktails that I get. Um, Hell or High Water, which is a speakeasy, is also uh, excellent. But I also haven't been to a lot of bars in the last you know, 18, 24 months um, since shutdown. So I'm a little bit limited in, in what I've had before then. Okay. Well, switching kind of over to the, the social side, when, when did you officially launch your account? I started my website in, I probably started my website in 20. 18 and then I revamped it all at the end of 2019 and probably halfway through probably October of 2019 is when I really started to work on building the Instagram account and putting together the Facebook account um, and really focusing on uh, creating content that would you know, do well on social media, but also on a website as well. So probably late 2019 is when I really started to focus on it. And then shutdown happened and I had lots of time for that. Yeah, that I mean, that seems to be a pretty popular trend, you know, especially with like bartenders who are out of work. Um, but, you know, did you so did you do photography in your day job? No, I've learned everything just um, just sort of on the fly, just learning by doing. And, you know, the one thing that I can say for someone who is getting into social media is challenge yourself, you know, try something you've never tried before. I had someone give me the challenge. It was a fire challenge. So we were supposed to set things on fire in a cocktail. And um, so I got out my fire extinguisher <laughs> and I went downstairs and I had to figure out how to do lighting for um, for photography because I was used to using uh, I was using speed lights and flash photography at that point. And I had to switch over to continuous lighting and change a lot of my camera settings so that I could get that burst of light that comes, you know, when you set something on fire and you have that huge flash um, when you're making cocktails. So, I, you know, for somebody who starts out, there's a lot of really wonderful online resources to learn photography. But honestly, if you use the tools that you have, you can absolutely start this with your phone. The pictures you take with the DSLR, you know, a full frame camera are going to be fantastic and they're going to have a lot more, um, they have a lot more depth to them, but you can train your eye and start to see things 
just using your phone. Yeah, it's interesting. Sometimes, you know, we find we run a lot of social accounts and sometimes we find that the professional photos don't do as well as some of the iPhone photos. And it's, it's just an interesting, you know, so it's, it's hard to guess what's going to do perform well sometimes. And that changes over time. You know, sometimes brands want really formal stylized pictures and sometimes brands want something that's very informal and you kind of have to match you know, I, I, when I work with brands, I'm always very upfront that I mostly do dark and moody photography. I'm not, I'm, I can do light and airy, but that doesn't appeal to me as much because I work so much with whiskey. I feel like I lose a lot of the light, um, I like the, the motion of the light. Um, but, but a lot of brands, you know, they're drawn to one particular kind of photography, um, and so they will reach out or you can, you can look and see what's on their socials or what's on their, you know, web website and kind of figure out if they're a good match visually for what you have and what you can provide. Yeah, definitely. Um, so what, I know it probably varies, but what in general have you found makes a good cocktail photo? The best cocktail photos for me, the ones that I find striking are ones that don't have a ton of, um, of busy things in the background. Um, and they're ones where you can see the play of light within the cocktail. And also you can um, use the gradation of light across the image to kind of have your eye have motion to it. One of the things that I love in a great photo is that your eye knows where to go for focus because the light and the color all drive you to that one place. Yeah, definitely. So something that stood out to me in your photos were some of the really beautiful and unique garnishes. So where do you source your garnishes? Like what's the weirdest one you've ever used? Oh my gosh, that's a good question. Um, I, you know, I learned a lot about working with citrus garnishes from Amy Trainer, who's the Moody Mixologist. Um, she has some great online resources for working with citrus. Um, I love to use strange things like popsicles and things that look, um, what would the word be? Things that are very unusual, things you would not expect to be garnished because I'm doing all of this at home, right? I'm not doing this in a hospitality you know, situation. I'm not doing this as part of a service uh, for, um, you know, for a particular shift. So I can do things at home that would not necessarily be very, um, they wouldn't necessarily be very efficient in a bar or in a restaurant. So some of the things that you can do when you're creating images like that is you can really play with things that people don't necessarily imagine would go on a cocktail, like a popsicle or sticking, you know, for one of my favorite pictures, I actually stuck about a half of a donut on the edge of the drink uh, because it was a pecan sticky bun cocktail and I wanted to put a pecan sticky bun on the, on the glass. And um, you know how people will dunk their, uh, their donut in their coffee? Well, you can kind of do that with a cocktail too. <laughs> That's what I will say. You can do a lot of fun things with cocktails at home that you might not necessarily do in an actual bar or a restaurant. Can you source most of your garnishes just from like the grocery, like a Kroger? Or... 
Oh, yes, absolutely. I honestly, I get most of my garnishes from the grocery store, um, from Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's has some really great little candies and small things that you can get that are very colorful that do really well as garnishes. Um, I'm trying to think where else. Uh, I really don't go anywhere very strange for garnishes. I do dehydrate my own fruit a lot of times if I'm going to do like I did a specialty cocktail for an event for bourbon women and I wanted a very specific kind of pineapple garnish. So I dehydrate, dehydrated my own um, pineapple. But there are all kinds of places where you can get dehydrated garnishes online and dehydrated garnishes look beautiful. They don't really add a lot um, aromatically because they're dried, but they can really, um, really, really improve the visual appearance of a cocktail. And you drink a cocktail with your eyes first, right? Somebody hands it to you and you see it set down in front of you. And if it looks beautiful, they're going to be more engaged with it and more excited about drinking it. Definitely. Um, so I noticed that your cocktails really take center stage in the photos. Um, and you don't appear that often in your pictures. Um, <laughs> Do you ever think about, you know, putting yourself in the photos more? I do, um, but uh, but a lot of times I'm doing this like late at night and I honestly, you know, I, I'll be honest, if you're a woman, there are a lot of things about being in photography that people judge you for. And, you know, if your hair doesn't look perfect or if your makeup's not great or if your clothes look a little wonky, sometimes will people will react to that on social media in a very negative way. And um, that's not something that I'm great with dealing with because I think what people should be focused on is the cocktail. Should I put myself in the photos more? Absolutely. The ones where I have my hand or, you know, part of me in there tend to do better. But um, sometimes I'm in a hurry to get the cocktail up and posted um, because I'm usually posting, you know, the day before I'm making the cocktail, you know, preparing the photos the day before the day of. And, um, for me, for my personal feed, not when I work with brands, but for my personal feed, a lot of times I will just stick to the cocktail. Okay. That's interesting insight. So I saw you, you do have a Pinterest page too. Do you find that that's been useful in driving traffic to your site? Honestly, no. Um, Pinterest has gone through a number of algorithm changes in this past year. Um, and I will say that I do not really love Pinterest right now as a social media platform. Um, the amount of traffic that you could get probably three to four years ago was really, it would have been much more than you could get now because of the way they've changed it. It's less about, you know, they're, they're promoting their own ads. They're really driving their own revenue so they can make money, which I understand as a platform they have to do. But I think they've lost sight of why people, you know, were so excited about Pinterest in the first place, which was it was a place where you could go and save ideas, where you could have inspiration. And now a lot of it is you're seeing ads, you're getting things served up to you that you may or may not be interested in. I don't think it's as organic as it once was. So you lean most heavily into Instagram. Is that right? Yeah, I do. I do. Are there any other networks you're exploring? Um, I do some um, Facebook as well. Uh, for Facebook, I usually do that to push traffic to my um, articles on my website. So that's, you know, Facebook I'm really using to drive traffic towards the um 
and I occasionally post directly from Instagram to Facebook, but I really prefer to, to use Facebook to link back directly to my website just so I can get that bump in traffic. Okay. So you mentioned working with brands. Um, what do you think makes a good brand partnership? A good brand partner is someone who is who can be very specific about the particular use of the image and the particular feel that they're going for. And, you know, it's very helpful for me to know things that they know don't work. For example, if I'm working with someone and they they don't ever want the bottle opened, like if they want the bottle full the whole time, I need to know that. If I'm working with someone and they hate flat lace, they don't want any top-down photos of their product, I need to know that. So a great brand partner is someone who who has a good idea of how the image will be used and the kind of feel that they want, but is also open to a creative interpretation of their particular product in a cocktail or in a serving suggestion or something like that. And it really works best for me when it's someone who is very, someone who is very communicative. It's harder to work for me with people who say, we just like what you do, just do what you do. That's a little bit more difficult because I work better personally when I have some parameters of what makes a successful post for them, what their readers engage with most, um, where they're trying to go with their brand and what direction they're going with presenting the brand to the market. Are you getting more brands asking for video versus photos lately? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Instagram is really prioritizing video over photos. Um, The issue with video can be that it is more time intensive uh, to learn and to do. I mean, there's some great uh, phone apps that actually I use when I put videos together. I video from, from, from my phone and use my phone to put the videos together um, because it's so much easier for me than some of the really larger um, video editing programs. But I've only been doing video for about maybe maybe a year now, probably a little bit less than a year. So, you know, with everything, there's a learning curve. And I'm upfront with people and I say, you know, this is the kind of reel that I do. This is the kind of video that I can do. Um, these are the things that I've done in the past. Let me know if these appeal to you and if this is something you would like as part of your um, your sponsored post or, you know, content for your own brand. Yeah, very cool. Well, um, I did also see that you uh, are a mixologist columnist now at Bourbon Plus magazine. Yes. Have you been stalking me, Courtney? Well, I did. I, did. I like to do a little research. Um, <laughs> So, um, so that's exciting. Is there anything else? Like as we wrap up, is there anything else like that you'd like to plug or exciting that we should keep our eyes out for? Well, yes, I have a book coming out in the spring called bourbon is my comfort food. And it's going to be all about using bourbon specifically to create cocktails. And, you know, I I say jokingly that bourbon is my comfort food, but it really is. It's kind of a safe space for me and for a lot of people. And it's something that's fun and engaging. And so the book is really not just a list of bourbon cocktails. It's also tied in with bourbon women because it has um, cocktails from the leadership team of bourbon women. It has cocktails from different branches. We call our chapters of bourbon women branches like 
branch water, like you would have branch water in uh, whiskey. And so we have cocktails from each of the branches and we have images from some bourbon women events and then images of a bunch of the cocktails, but that comes out on May 3rd of next year. Very exciting. And see, I asked that question about comfort food. and I wasn't even aware that you had this book coming out. So that is interesting. Um, well, exciting. It was so great to learn more about your, you know, your background. And I, I love your account. I think your work's beautiful. And you've definitely made me thirsty. So. <laughs> That's always my goal. I did a presentation for ADI, the American Distilling Institute, on how to improve cocktail photography and using it for your brand. And I started by saying, I'm going to make you thirsty in this account. So I really, in this presentation. So I really hope that you all have drinks after this. Are, are you all scheduled to have drinks after this presentation? And they all laughed. But, you know, as we would go through, I'm like, well, I'm getting thirsty. Are you guys getting thirsty? They're like, yeah, I'm getting thirsty. And that's that's the whole point of cocktail photography, right? It's make people thirsty to make people want your brand. But I have had a fabulous time talking to you, Courtney, and sharing my, you know, uh, what would you call that? My brand experience and my social media experience. And, and it's just something that you continuously learn from. And it's, it's, a, it's always a growing experience, right? Like anything else, when you start a new, when you start a new endeavor, there's lots of things to learn that you don't know. And challenging yourself is really the only way to do that. Great. Well, we can't wait to, you know, continue to follow you along on your journey on at cocktail underscore Contessa and, and cocktailcontessa.com, my website. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and we uh, will look forward to that book as well. So congrats. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Courtney. I totally appreciate it. Had a great time talking with you today. Take care. All right. Thank you. All right, everybody. That wraps up today's episode of Eat, Drink, Social. Thanks for listening. If you have a story to share or know somebody that does, feel free to reach out to us.